0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. He's on our side. He's leading us and guiding us, and he'll provide. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for your holy written word that's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And Father, we thank you for revelations of your word. Thank you for illustrations of your word. And thank you for impartations of the Holy Ghost that empower and enable us to walk out what we have heard. Father, we realize that we're in the last of the very last days. And it's pertinent that we understand the plan of God for this day for this time and for this season. And Father, I ask you tonight to make my tongue as a pen of a ready writer that I'll have the right words to speak with the anointing of God and we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you will, open your Bibles to Acts 26 again. Seems to be our keynote scripture for the last few services. Acts 26, and read the keynote scripture that Paul the Apostle Paul governed his life by, or actually his confession that governed his life. Paul was standing before King Agrippa in Acts 26, 19. He was talking to him about how he had persecuted Christians, caused Christians to blaspheme the name of Jesus and deny even Jesus himself because he was so opposed to Christianity. But on the road to Damascus, remember, a bright, blinding light shone around him, and the entourage of people was with him, and they all fell down to the ground, and out of the uh, bushes ran a choir. And they sang this song and the song they sang was another one bit the dust because he had been opposing the kingdom of God and God supernaturally intervened. And today I'm telling you that same Jesus had intervened in the days of the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus that was trying to hinder the plan of God. That same God is intervening in the church world today. You know, in a sense of speaking, it's not the devil stopping the move of God. Don't make me come back there. And another sense of speaking, I'll tell you the truth about it, it's many in the church world that's opposed to what God wants to do and that's what's hindered the move of God. I talked about it somewhat last night about how God told the children of Israel through the command of Moses to go into the promised land and how 12 spies came back from looking at the promised land that God had promised and 10 of them brought an evil report, the Bible says. An evil report is a report that contradicts what God says do. And two people brought back a good report and that was Joshua and Caleb, men of faith because the 10 that gave the evil report said, we're not able to go up and possess the land. Joshua and Caleb arose and still the people tried to quiet them down and said, we're well able to go up against the giants in that land. Let's go up at once. But notice this, the people's doubt and unbelief hindered Joshua and Caleb from fulfilling the will of God in their generation, but it did not stop them from accomplishing God's will. Ladies and gentlemen, God's plan has been hindered because we got people that's been saying there's no such thing as a move of God that we don't need a move of God, but I'm here to tell you they're not going to stop the move of God. Forty years later, Joshua and Caleb went across the Jordan River and they marched into Jericho and they marched around that wall and they shouted and the walls fell down flat and I'm here to tell you there's walled cities that we're about to take in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the church is going to march forward in victory and nothing is going to stop us. Nothing. I'm telling you, you might as well get excited about it. We're going in in the name of Jesus. It's time that we as a church arise and take our place of authority under the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the banner of the blood of Jesus and tell the doggone devil to get out of our way in Jesus' name. I <laughs> oh, said, Brother Randy, you must eat your weenies. <laughs> I feel it down to my bones. You know what I mean? Woo hoo! Not that you gotta feel anything, but it feels good when you feel good. You know what I mean? Woo wee! Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, I've been up against some things in the realm of the spirit and people can get kooky about that and I realized the devil was trying to shut my mouth and I decided I'm just going to butt heads with him. You know what I mean? And he is not going to stop me from giving utterance to the plan of God for this day in the name of Jesus. Just opening the Bible does this. It's amazing how it happens. Acts 26, 19. Paul had uh, told King Agrippa his experience on the road to Damascus, how the blinding light shone around about him. They fell down to the ground and Jesus spoke to Paul and said, why persecuteth thou me? And remembered the choir ran out of the bushes and sang the song, another one bit the dust. Well, it's not in the Bible, but you can't prove it didn't happen. <laughs> I don't know if they knew that song back then, but anyway... Acts 26, 19, the apostle Paul, this is in his latter ministry, in his latter days, not long before he went to heaven and finished his course on this earth. Acts 26, 19, the apostle Paul said, whereupon, O King Agrippa, he said, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Ladies and gentlemen, you can do what you want to and don't take that the wrong way. The church world can do what it wants to and don't take that the wrong way. Society can do what it wants to but don't take that the wrong way but I am not going to be disobedient to the heavenly vision if I'm the last one standing there saying God, I'll obey you. I'm going to do what God said do and you need to have that attitude too. Amen. Because it's not popular to follow God today. I said it's not popular to follow God today said, Brother Randy, I thought it was popular. No, it's not popular. Cultural trends of society have filled the church and those things are popular. Following a man is popular. Following wisdom of men is popular. Following think tank planning sessions is popular, but following the Holy Ghost is not popular, so I enjoy being unpopular. Woo, hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God because I'm going on with God, amen? I'm going to do what God said do, and I'm going to do what I know the Holy Ghost is saying and doing, and that don't mean that I know everything because I don't, but I know enough to get in and out of the rain. <laughs> You've taught me that here in Florida. <laughs> I told Pastor Edwin, you know, I said, I've really been joking with you about coming off the ark and everything. You don't have to demonstrate it to me. <laughs> I mean he's got signs and wonders. We got him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it, we live in critical times. We, we truly do. I, I know it more every day. And I don't know why God chose to do what he done with me and, and do and call me to where I'm at. But I can go back to old wooden prison bench, setting out by the prison maintenance shop. I'd been born again on my third escape from prison. Turned myself in because God gloriously showed up in this van that I was about to go with two other people and committed armed robbery in. But the Spirit of God arrested me in Galveston, Texas. I should have turned right on Seawall Boulevard. I mean left on Seawall Boulevard to go and commit this crime there in Galveston, Texas. And then the goal from there was me, I was going to get out of the country and live happily ever after, you know. But suddenly, as I was driving down the road in this van, the Spirit of God filled that van. I had a praying mama. I had a praying daddy seeking God. Can I tell all my daddy? He's in heaven. My daddy went to heaven. He was an old-time Pentecostal. He went to heaven singing amazing grace, how sweet thou art, and he, that saved a wretch like me. That's what he said, and he would break in that course. Hallelujah. He couldn't carry a tune in a number three wash tub. Anybody know what a number three wash tub is? Anybody ever had a bath in a number three wash tub? Oh, she's had a bath in a number three. That's why she's Mrs. Clean. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm telling you. If you had a bath in a number three wash tub, I'm telling you the truth about it. And those of you that haven't, we feel sorry for you. Amen. Because back in those days, they believed cleanliness was next to godliness and they would scrub it off of you. My God. But my daddy told my mama one evening, Catherine Frances Greer, he said to her, he said, Jesus is coming in the morning. He said, Daddy is coming in the morning. He said, Granny is coming in the morning to meet me and I'm going to heaven. And mama looked at my daddy and said, oh, Hubert, That was his name. His name was Donald Hubert Greer. But when she got mad at him, she called him Hubert. Said, ah, Hubert, you always have been crazy. (laughs) Married folks is married to one another long enough. They know their spouse is crazy. (laughs) I don't get invited to preach marriage seminars because I tell the doggone truth. (laughs) He said, I'm going to heaven in the morning. Jesus is coming I, my time on earth is over. He said, there's preparation that God needs to do with me. That's a message in itself. But Brother Hagen prophesied this when Brother Halverson, anybody remember Brother Halverson? Brother Halverson went on and people got concerned. Remember, he was praying in the Holy Ghost intense prayer on Reverend Mac Hammond's platform and suddenly his body start, stopped moving and he lay there on the platform and then people got concerned and looked and Brother Halverson was gone to heaven while he was praying in the Holy Ghost. The Lord revealed to Dad Hagin all the all the preparation for the world to come, you don't get in this life only. Some move on to that side and get prepared for the world to come. But uh, my daddy told my mama, I'm going to be with Jesus in the morning. No reason why, except he made up his mind to do it. My mama said daddy was always (laughs) hard-headed. When he made up his mind to do something, he done it. About 2.30 in the morning, Daddy set up in the bed. Now, he's not one to do that. When he goes to bed, he goes to bed. He gets up with the chickens. He's the one that sets the rooster on the post and crows for you to get up. Do You know what I mean? <laughs> but he went to bed about 2.30 in the morning. I was told because I came right after. My mama called me just to squalling, you know. But anyway, he sat up in the bed and he started singing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He'd break into that course. Hallelujah. And he can carry a tomb and a number three wash tub. That's good country talk for city folks. If you don't know what that is, just ask Pastor Angel and she'll help you. <laughs> but anyway, he got happy. He started laughing in the spirit, started even clapping his hands. And after about an hour of him doing this, suddenly he looked into the realm of the spirit and he said, There's Jesus. There's daddy. There's granny, my grandma. They aren't in heaven. He said, goodbye. And his body fell back on the bed and he went out of here singing amazing grace. How sweet. Don't make me get up a load tonight. I'm telling you the truth about it. Heaven is real, ladies and gentlemen. Spiritual things are real and God is going to open the eyes of the church world in these days like they have never been opened. He's going to allow us. That don't mean that everybody's going to see it and we're not going to get goofy about it because we're going to stay with the word. But in this day, God's going to open our eyes and let us see heavenly assistance around us because we can't do it by ourselves. So he went to heaven singing amazing grace. How sweet the sound. No other reason why he should go, but he went. He went to the other side and he's over there. The apostle Paul said that he stayed with a heavenly vision. My daddy did too. My daddy had a sixth grade education, but God used him mightily. And God worked through his life mightily. God used him to help a lot of people start a lot of churches, even though he was uneducated. He done it through the Assemblies of God. He would go out in an area where there were no churches at all, Pentecostal. He'd get a group of people together having a Bible study, set up a little tent, and then back in those days, the assemblies of God had something called a tabernacle. It's a prefab building. I think it went big, about uh, thirty by forty or something like that. And, and if you could get enough crowd together, the assemblies of God would furnish the building if you could get the land, and they would help, uh, you know, supply that. And you poured the slab and put the building up. And Daddy was always good at working with his hands, and he'd just get a bunch of men in the community, and they'd stand up a church. And I remember the first churches had pot-bellied stoves in the middle of them, with no insulation or nothing. Way back there, I was a kid, way a little bitty boy then. But I remember that and how that happened in those days. He stayed with the heavenly vision just like the Apostle Paul did up to the end of his life. Paul said he was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. In order not to be disobedient to it, first he must understand or understand what it was. Of course, he told the uh, King Agrippa what that vision was and it's right here in the scripture. I believe the vision of this church is based on these scriptures. I didn't realize it Told Pastor Edmerson told me this, uh, I think last night and shared with me about it. I had no idea that that's what God had spoken to him supernaturally. God gave him that the vision for this church. is based on these scriptures right in here, not all of them, but these scriptures, that I, not all of them I read, but these scriptures right here in Acts 26 on down to 19, I believe. But he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now, why do I say that? I said that to say this, people need to understand the heavenly vision. They need to understand what God is saying and doing. Now, I know that I I, I bring up controversial things to some, not all, but controversial things based on what I see God doing in the earth. And I believe it can be backed up by scripture about uh, Kenneth E. Hagin. We called him, dead Hagin's a term of endearment, being a forerunner of the second coming of Jesus. But remember, we didn't say he embodied the forerunner of the second coming of Jesus by himself But the movement that would start through him, which you and I are part of, we are forerunners of the second coming of Jesus. Now you want to know what your calling is and so we better tell you what your calling is. Pastor Anderson reminded me uh, about this so you better turn in your Bible to that scripture where it's at, you know. Have you turned yet? Oh, Luke chapter one. I thought you would help me turn there. Luke chapter 1, verse number 13. Luke chapter 1, verse number 13. The anointing that's on this movement that we're part of that the revelation came about this movement through Kenneth e. Hagin is the same uh, anointing and type and shadow that was on John the Baptist and that's what we have to understand so we go back and we examine the anointing that was on John the Baptist and what his purpose was as the forerunner of the first coming of Jesus because he of himself one man embodied the forerunner of the first coming of Jesus but uh, Dad Hagen, not one man embodying it by himself, but the movement that would start through him that many people that followed after him, uh, you know, and not everybody went to Rhema. You wouldn't have, you didn't have to if God didn't tell you to. But a lot of people were caught up in that and they realized that we're part of a movement. Now the enemy has tried to stop that movement. The enemy has tried to take it down. The enemy's tried to destroy it, but he will not. So what was John the Baptist called to do? When you figure out what John the Baptist is called to do, you'll know what you're called to do and type in shadow. So we look in Luke chapter one, verse number 13. It says here, verse number 13, we read some of this the other night, so we're not gonna read it all, but Luke chapter one, so you can get the recordings from the other services and it'd be a blessing to you. Luke one, you get them from the church here. Luke chapter one, verse 13. (laughs) It says, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, because he's there and he's, he's a priest and he's doing his course of duty as a priest and his angel appeared to him there. He said, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The main thrust of John the Baptist's ministry was to make ready a people prepared for the first coming of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The movement that would start uh, through Reverend Kenneth e. Hagin, and it did start uh, through Reverend Kenneth e. Hagin, through the anointing of God coming upon him. That we are part of that movement. Uh, The call of God on our life is to make ready a people prepared for the second coming of the Lord. That's what we're called to do in a nutshell because there's a lot that goes under that vision statement. It's a big mission behind it, you know. But there's a lot that goes with that. So now we understand what we're called to do. So let's examine a little bit further about who Reverend Kenneth e. Hagen was. And remember, the only reason I say these things is because the Lord educated me in this area because I did not know myself. I didn't understand these things. I have an 11th grade education; I couldn't figure these up in my natural mind. I couldn't even conjure them up. But the Lord allowed me to see some things about him. But I say these things not to point you to worship a man. Because we look beyond the man and we're looking at a heavenly vision that came through a man. If God is going to do anything in this earth, he must do it through a human being that's on this earth. Did you know that? You do know that. Well, can we establish that truth then? You remember where we're headed. I'm gonna tell you some things about Kenneth Hagin that can give you some free permanent waves, lady. You'll never have to go to the beauty parlor, Brother Hagin said again. But uh, let's talk about these things and about how the fact of, uh, that we have authority and uh, there's things that the Lord wants us to do and, and bring to pass on this earth. Jesus Christ appeared to Dad Hagen in Broken Bow, Oklahoma in December of 1953. Anybody ever been to Broken Bow, Oklahoma? See some hands over here. Who, how many have you been back to? Broken Bow, Oklahoma. So where's that at? That's down at the southeast corner of the state of Oklahoma. It's a tiny city even today. I mean, population less than 3,000. So it doesn't take a big place for Jesus to visit because Jesus visited Dan Hagen December 1953 there in a pastor's kitchen. He appeared to him and taught him some things during that time. But uh in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, it's just not real far from the Kyomanche Mountains. Y'all know where the Kayomanche Mountains is in Oklahoma? That's where Bigfoot lives. It is. <laughs> and you said, Brother Randy, no, he's over there in the Okeefinoke swamp. He's got frequent flyer miles, is what it is. And, and he can get around a lot. You know what I mean? He can go from this place to that place and he uh, probably run by the church here the other day. I, there's no telling, you know. But uh, Bigfoot, they say, lives in the Cuyahoga Mountains, you know, and they're serious about it. I mean, especially the Indian people there, Native Americans, they're Indians. I had some working on my building, and brother, they believe it. They played howls of me that they swore was Bigfoot howling on their phone. And it made hair stand up on the back of your neck. Don't know if it's Bigfoot or a big devil. <laughs> <laughs> but they they claimed it was and they believe it, and buddy, they don't want you joking about it either. I mean, it's almost religious for them, you know. And so I didn't I didn't make fun of them. I put a sticker on back of my Model A Ford with Bigfoot on it. <laughs> I got a 1930 Model A Ford, all original. So I stuck it on there and made them happy. They they pointed. it, smile, you know. So he was down there in a pastor's kitchen. And uh, suddenly, the Lord appeared to him as they were praying in the pastor's kitchen. I'm not going to tell the whole story. That's not the purpose of it. But as he was kneeling down praying, he said when he knelt down, he knelt down in the spirit. He said all the furniture disappeared. The pastor and his little daughter was across the table from him praying in the kitchen. All that disappeared. And for the while there, he didn't know where he was at. His physical senses was suspended. So he looked up where the ceiling would be in the kitchen and the ceiling had disappeared and there stood Jesus. And Jesus said, I've come to teach you about devils, demons, and evil spirits and how they will even get a hold of Christians if Christians will allow them to. So in the process of Jesus showing him this, this little demon ran between he and Jesus and it put out this smoke screen so he could not see Jesus anymore. He could hear his voice, but he couldn't see him. And then this little demon started waving his arms and making this racket yakety-yak, 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 yak, yak, So Dad Hagin thought to himself, what in the world is this doing here? Why don't Jesus do something about this devil? And this went on for quite some time. And then finally, out of frustration and desperation, Jesus said to Dad Hagin, he said, if you had not done something about that, talking about that demon, he said, I could not have done something about it. Brother Hagin responded to Jesus and he said, dear Lord Jesus, he said, I know I heard you incorrectly. He said, you meant to say that you didn't want to do something about that demon, not that you could not do something about that demon. Jesus responded and said to Dad Hagin, He said, no. He said, I told you if you had not done something about that demon, he said, I could not have done something about it. And Dad Hagen said, he grabbed his ear, one of his old recordings, you can hear him say this. He grabbed his ear and he shook it like it was stopped up or something. He said, dear Lord Jesus, I know I didn't hear you correctly. He couldn't believe that Jesus couldn't make that devil stop. You meant to say Jesus, that you didn't want to do something about this demon, not that you could not do something about the demon. And Jesus looked at him and said, no. He said, I told you, if you had not done something about this demon, I could not have done something about it. The demon was harassing Dad Hagen. But Jesus could not stop the devil from harassing Dad Hagen. Dad Hagen had to stop it. Anytime the devil starts harassing you, you stop it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You take authority over it in the name of Jesus like you've been taught and you've been trained. So, Dad Hagen said he always was bad. This is his own confession, not mine. He said he always, always was bad about opening his mouth and putting his foot in it. That's slang country talk, you know what I mean? Saying something, but he shouldn't have said it. He said, dear Lord Jesus, he said, you're going to have to give me at least two or three references in the New Testament that what you're telling me is true. He said, I'll go you one better, Jesus said to him. He said, I'll give you four witnesses and references in the New Testament that what I'm telling you is the gospel truth. I'm paraphrasing that, is the truth. Brother Hagin said he opened his mouth a little wider, put a bigger foot in it, and he said, dear Lord Jesus, He said, I've read the New Testament through 150 times and portions of it more than that. And he said, if there's anything in there like that, I sure don't know it. Jesus looked at him and said, son, there's a lot of things in there that you don't know. You know what that means to me? There's a difference between information and revelation. Dad Hagen had information of the New Testament, but he didn't have revelation in that area of what the New Testament said. He could quote at one time by his own testimony three quarters of the New Testament. But that didn't mean that he had revelation of the entire amount he could quote. Information is different than revelation, and that's the problem that we have in the church world. The church world delivers an informational message. Most of the church world. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You wouldn't get it here, you'd get a revelation message. And I'm not belittling anybody. But there's a difference between information and revelation. In many churches, and thank God there are a lot of good churches, don't get me wrong, we thank God for the local church. Without it, we have no body of Christ. But in the many churches in the United States of America, all you're going to get when you come to church is a book report on the Bible if it's on the Bible. Anybody can take a book that's been trained and give you a a book report on it. They do it in college and university all the time because my son did it. You have to go through there and research books and come out with it and they come out with it and and you give a book report on the Bible. But there's a difference between giving book reports on the Bible and giving revelation on the Bible. So Jesus was telling Dan Hagen in this vision, yeah, you know, there's a lot in there that you don't know. What he meant, there's a lot that you don't have revelation of. You may have knowledge of it, but you don't have revelation of it, and Dan Hagen admitted it. He didn't. Up till that point in his ministry, they never knew to rebuke the devil or bind the devil. So Jesus said, I'm going to start giving you those references now. So turn to Matthew 28. I'm just going to give you one because I'm just making one point here. So what is the point that I'm making? I'm making the point that we are in charge on this earth. Remember? We're the one that's got to make the decision. If God is going to do anything in this earth, he must do it through a man or a woman that's submitted to him. He cannot come in to this world. Jesus cannot come into this world and do anything to violate the will of the human being. That's why the world as a whole is in a mess. And if he's going to do something, he's got to get somebody in this earth in agreement with him. That's why Jesus had to come to get in agreement with God because God searched throughout the earth and could not find one person that would stand in the gap. Therefore, his own hand brought forth salvation, Jesus Christ. He had to send a man into the earth, the son of God, in order to bring his will to pass in this earth because he gave man authority on this earth. Matthew, where did you tell me to turn to? 28. What verse? You got it yet? Oh, okay. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came. Matthew 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18. Again, I'm just going to make a point and we're moving right on because this is another message in itself. You come to this church, you'll get this message too about the authority of the believer and whatever else you need. But in a Matthew 28, verse number 18, and Jesus came, this is the first verse he quoted him in the New Testament. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, which should be translated all authority, is given unto me where? In heaven and where? Earth. Two distinct, separate places in heaven and on earth. He said, All authority has been given unto me. Then he said in verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus told Dad Hagin in the vision, December 1953, down there in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, an, an assembly of God pastor's kitchen. In fact, the old wood frame building is still standing. They built a church, another church in front of it, a nice brick structure, uh, and, and it's there today but the old wood frame building is still there in Broken Bow Oklahoma. I have been there. the Lord sometimes goes and helps me there you know what I mean not just there but other places things happen and that don't mean anybody else has to do it or you uh, you might want to just for fun. Uh, Brother Craig Fields called me one time he said, where's Standifer Street he was down there in Texas and he was lost he's from Canada. <laughs> He, has, he used to have one of them wind-up electric cars. You rode in it, didn't you? Well, I mean wind-up. You had one of them batteries in it and all that stuff. Jesus told Brother Hagin here, all authority is given to me in two distinct separate places. I'm pointing distinct and separate, heaven and earth. Jesus told Dad Hagin in the revelation, in the vision, he said, when I told him to go ye therefore, he said, I delegated my authority on earth to the church. That's the first scripture he pointed out to him. Of course, he went on, and I'm not going to go to the other scriptures. You can read it in his book, I Believe in Visions. You can read it, The Authority of the Believer, The Triumph of Church. You can get it, probably most of you has got something, one of those books in your library or on your iPad or something. But anyway, you can read the whole story, but that's not my point. I was just pointing out this. If God is going to do something in this earth, he must do it through a man or a woman that's anointed and given a vision and given a revelation and given a call, just like he called the apostle Paul to bring what Pastor Anderson and Dan Hagen used to call the Pauline revelation of who Jesus Christ was, what he did, what he done inside of us and what we received because of him. Paul brought a revelation, but it came through a man, you understand? The revelation about Jesus Christ, the bigger revelation, the greater revelation came through the apostle Paul. We would have no knowledge of really who Jesus was by just reading the other uh, things about what the others said, but we got the fullness of what Jesus was and what he did for us and what he did in us and what he's prepared for us by reading the writings of Paul. So God called Paul to start a movement of what you call the Jesus revelation. He brought revelation of Jesus into this earth and he wrote a book about it and, 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 and we got it in the Bible and we're to read the Bible and get that revelation. Isn't that right? But I pointed out that it came through a man. Why didn't Jesus just come down and sit on a rock? Huh? Why didn't he just come down? Because he delegated his authority on earth to us and if we don't do something with it it won't be done so that's the reason that I said that anything that happens in this earth he's going to do it through a man he's going to do it through a woman He's going to find somebody that will submit themselves to him and he's going to pour his glory out upon them. He's going to train them. He's going to teach them. He's going to keep them. He's going to watch over them and he's going to anoint them especially if it's going to start a movement that would usher in the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So just like the apostle Paul was raised up by God to start a movement about who Christ was, and is, and what he's done for us, and in us. Kenneth E. Hagee was raised up by God. His name should have been called John the Baptist, and he was raised up to start a movement that would usher in the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what's our call in this movement is to make ready a people prepared for the second coming of the Lord. Now, when you say make ready a people prepared for the second coming of the Lord many of us immediately think, and I have too, uh, immediately think of the world and the lost. But do you know that the church needs to prepare just as much or more so to meet the Lord than those that don't know him? Yes, it's important that they do it, but it's important that we're ready. We can't get high and mighty and cocky and think, oh, buddy, we got it made because of the blood of Jesus, grace of God. I can live any way, do any way, act any way, talk any way, and everything's all right. No, it's not all right. Make ready yourself, prepared for the coming of the Lord. So not only does the world need to get ready, but the church needs to get ready. Jesus appeared to Dr. Timothy Hagan, September the 2nd, 1950, he was called up to the throne of God, stood within 18 feet of that throne. He saw the winged creatures. We talked about this in one of the other services. And uh, Jesus said to him during this revelation, uh, I believe in visions, come up hither, chapter two, so you can read the whole thing there. But in this vision and revelations that he received from the Lord that time, September the 2nd, 1950 in Rockwell, Texas, Jesus said this, are you ready for it? He said, many of my own people will not accept the moving of my spirit and will turn back and will not be ready to meet me at my coming. That's what Jesus said. Now, either Jesus said it or Brother Hagin lied about it. And I'm not calling Dad Hagin a liar now. I'm saying I believe it. But he said, many of my own people, talking about the latter days, will not accept the moving of my spirit and will turn back and will not be ready to meet me at my coming. I don't want to be one of those. I want to turn toward him. Isn't that right? So the church needs to prepare as much or more so than the world. Now you ready for the other great, great shock? The great outpouring of the Spirit, what is it for? What's the purpose of it? This movement you're talking about, you're yelling and screaming about, Brother Randy, since you've been here, what is all this about? This outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the book of Acts multiplied times 100. Number one is to visit the church and get it ready to meet Jesus. Number two is to get the church ready to reach this lost and dying world because there's a lot of devils in this world today, ladies and gentlemen, it's unleashed. The Bible speaks about in Revelation, the devil has come down knowing he had a short time. There's demonic spirits and powers that's gonna take the power of God in its fullness to drive back these demons in this day. So the outpour of the Spirit, number one, is to visit the church and get us ready. Number two, then for the church, to visit the world. But sometimes we have the concept, I know I did until the Lord revealed this to me, we have the concept that uh, the outpour of the Spirit is just to get the lost saved, and that is part of it, a big part. But it's also to get the church back where it should be, in love with God again, because the church has left its first love. As a whole, not everybody. Are you in love with the Lord like you used to be? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not going to call fire down on you, but I'm thinking about it. Are you walking with the Lord like you used to? Are you close to him like you used to be? Don't make me take a poll. I'm telling you, all of us need to examine ourselves. You know what I mean? No condemnation. But I believe that this year is a pivotal year in the body of Christ. I believe you're either getting in and getting on board or you're going to be gotten out of the way. This year, 2018, is a pivotal year, a key year in the body of Christ. And I'm not just talking to you, you understand. I'm talking on a higher level, but it applies to all of us. It applies to the body of Christ. And I'm not saying that you're not ready. There's no condemnation. But it is time that we judge ourselves. And I know that's an ugly word, but we judge ourselves. And make sure we walk in and the revelation that God has for us in this day.